0: Amen. Thank y'all for being here this morning. Praise the Lord. And, uh, we're trying to do a live broadcast for all our loved ones that, uh, from the church that can't make it this morning. And we pray that, uh, pray for some healing and pray that you'd be blessed. And, uh, we love every one of you guys. And, uh, I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. <laughs> I just love the Lord Jesus Christ. And being at his resurrection Sunday, I couldn't think of any place better to be than to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, like we were talking about earlier, if uh, you might be disobeying man, but you're not disobeying God this morning. I promise you that. And uh, if man don't like it, then he can just uh, he can jump off a cliff as far as I, ca- uh, if I care. <laughs> I don't care what man thinks. I care what God thinks about me. And when God puts a calling on your life, you've got to do what God calls you to do. And sometimes that goes against what the world thinks you should do. But I, the world's scared of everything. Yeah. The world's scared of this, and they're scared of that, and they're scared, they're scared of everything but who they should really be scared of. And that's the Lord God. Amen. Amen. Fear ye Him. Amen. Fear ye Him. But starting in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. You know what? Uh, Let's go back up to verse 6 and get the context of this. Romans chapter 10, verse 6, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say, Not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend in the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, Father, for your grace and mercy. And Lord, I just, Father, I thank you for these people, Lord, that love you. Father, I just pray that, Lord, this morning, Lord God, that we'll glorify and lift up Jesus Christ in every way, Father, that uh, we thank you, Father, that you raise him from the dead, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming up and being that risen Savior that we know that as I pray to you, Lord, as I talk to you, Lord, you can hear everything I'm saying. And you're hearing every word I say, Lord God. And Father, I just pray, Lord, as, as we continue through these services, Father God, that I pray your Holy Spirit will move, lead, guide, and direct us, Father, in every, every way, Lord God. Thank you so much for taking care of us. Lord, I pray a special be- a blessing on the people listening. Lord, I pray I had your protection. Around everybody in this church and out in the world, Lord God. Father, I just pray, Lord, help us to repent, turn back towards you, Father, and put our faith back in the truth into Jesus Christ. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to show you what the big deal is about the resurrection. What's the big deal about the resurrection? For a Christian, what's a big deal about the resurrection? Well, the first big deal about the resurrection is found there in verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Why do you do it with your mouth? Because the mouth shows where the heart's at. Yeah. Your mouth shows where your heart's at. If you really love somebody, you'll say, I love you. The saddest thing I hear is when somebody says, I grew up with a dad. And I know he loved me, but he never told me. That's not right, man. That's not right. If he loved you, he should have told you. Now, he, I'm not saying he didn't love you, but I'm saying if you love him, you're supposed to say it. You know, when I married my wife, I had to stand in front of people and I had to say, I do. I just couldn't just sneak around. That's not how God wanted me to do it. Now, some people living that way in the, in the world today, they don't get married anymore. But I'm talking about the way God wants me to do it. He wants me to stand and say, I do. And I hope that she would say, I do. You must confess Jesus Christ. Say, "I'll take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior." If you confess with the mouth, the, thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and look, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, Amen. thou shalt be saved. There's a belief in the resurrection that a Christian must have. Can a person not believe in the resurrection, the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, and be still be a Christian? I will say emphatically, no. You must believe in the physical, bodily resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do not have faith to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, then you're no Christian at all. Amen. That's one of the ingredients for salvation. And I'm showing it to you. So what's the big deal about sal- the uh, resurrection? Uh, the resurrection is that you believe in the resurrection. And the resurrection is what saves you. Amen. That resurrection is what gets you saved. It's not enough to put your faith in Jesus' good works. It's not enough. It's not enough to put your faith in Jesus' good sayings. And he had a lot of good sayings. Jesus had a lot of good teachings. The greatest teacher in the world was Jesus Christ. The greatest healer in the world was Jesus Christ. But it's not enough to believe in the healing of Jesus Christ or to believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's a lot of people that will go so far as to say, I believe that there was a historical Jesus, that he walked on this earth, that he taught and that he was a good prophet. But that's as far as it'll go. Well, you're doomed and damned to a devil's hell. You must believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That's the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us the gospel. That's the gospel. That he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. That's it. And you must have faith in the resurrection and believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that resurrection is what saves us. John 20, 29. Don't turn there, but in John 20, 29, Thomas was doubting Jesus Christ. and uh, that He was resurrected. He didn't believe the other disciples that had already seen Jesus Christ resurrected. He goes, uh, uh, Thomas said, until I can put my finger into his hand, the nail, is in, nail prints in his hands, until I can take my hand and thrust it in his side, I won't believe. And Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, yeah. Thomas, Amen. come on right here. But after... Thomas got down and said, My Lord and my God. Because he knew who he was dealing with. He stood up and Jesus Christ said this to him. Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You're blessed if you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're blessed, you're really blessed to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, there was a Christian... And he was dealing with a Muslim, and this Muslim was dealing with a Christian, and this Muslim said, uh, I, I don't know why you don't convert. Muhammad is such a better prophet, is such a better teacher than Jesus Christ. You need to understand how much better that Muhammad was than Jesus. And he was arguing with this Christian. This Christian stopped and said, no, 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 stop here. A man is traveling, and a man is traveling, and he comes up to a crossroads. And when a man comes up to this crossroads, he doesn't know which way to take And he looks and there's one man that's dead and there's one man that's living. Who do we ask, who does this man ask, what's the way to go? And the Muhammad, the Muslim said, well, of course, the living one. He goes, right. Why would you send me to Muhammad who's dead when Jesus Christ is alive? That's it. That's it. It's about, you're not praying to some, philo- when you pr- bow your head to ask Jesus Christ to save you, you're not bowing your head and praying to, to a philosophy or to some idea or you're trying to do some kind of inner thing. No, you're praying to a living, risen Savior that hears everything you say, everything you do, knows everything you do and can save you because he's alive forevermore. We'll get into that a little bit more. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's look at the second one, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to turn you to some scripture this morning, and I'm going to show you what's what's the big deal about the resurrection. Why is it such a big deal to Christians? Well, it's because it's everything to us. That's why it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, it's everything that our Savior is risen. It separates us out from every other known religion. We serve a prophet or a leader that's risen from the dead. Do you know there's been other religious leaders that's tried to do that? They said, I, I, I'm going to die, and then in a couple of days I'm going to come up. And they prophesied that they would come up. And, the, and they go out there, and the, and the leader dies, and they wait around, and they wait a couple of days, and they wait 10 days, and they wait 20 days, and the body gets to stinking, and they just you know, kind of dis, disperse. And they take that body, and they bury it in the grave. Because he ain't going to come back up. Amen. <laughs> he's trying to fake you. He's trying to pull your leg. But this is different. Jesus Christ is different. How do we know he's different? Look at verse 4. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. And declared, talking. this is talking about Jesus Christ, and declared to be the Son of God with power. Jesus Christ is declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. How is that? How is he declared to be the Son of God? By the resurrection from the dead. He came up from the dead. That's how you know he's the Son of God. What do you mean when you say he's the Son of God? He's God manifest in the flesh. So when Jesus Christ came up from that grave, you can say, is he who he says he is? He's everything he said he is. He can do everything he says he can do, and I can, I can trust in those words. The resurrection shows Jesus Christ to be telling the truth. Amen. Amen. Martha came to Jesus Christ. We talked about this in Sunday school. Martha came to Jesus Christ, and Martha believed in the general resurrection, and Jesus Christ looked at Martha right in the eye and said, Martha, I am the resurrection Amen. and the life. Amen. And he went over to Lazarus, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth just like Jesus Christ said. Martha found out real quick, Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Now, when somebody says, it's Jesus Christ can save you, and he can keep you, and he can give you eternal life. When I say something like that to you, I'm not talking about a man that died and is still in the grave. You can go to his tomb and you can worship him. No, uh-uh-uh. I'm talking about a man that's alive, that came up from the grave. So when Jesus Christ came up with that resurrection by the spirit, of the by the power of God, when he came up and came up to live forevermore, you say, that's the guy that has eternal life. Go to him. Don't come to me. Don't come to religion. Don't come to a denomination. Don't come to the Baptist church. Don't go to the Methodist church. Don't go to the Catholic church. Don't go to a church. Don't go to a religion. Go to a man. It's a man that resurrected and came out of the grave. It's a man that's alive forevermore. And that man's name is Jesus Christ. So that's where you need to lean on. That's where you need to go. The best news the world ever heard came out of a grave. Dr. Ruppman used to say that. And I used to laugh every time he said that. I said, that's so true. The best news the world ever got came out of a grave. You know, uh, I like to study other religions. I've studied Buddhism, I've studied some of uh, Islam, I've studied a lot of the Jehovah's Witness, and it is another religion, it's a whole cult in itself. Studied about the Mormons, we did a long 18-week, 20-week study on the, on the Jehovah's Witness. We found out everything you'd ever want to know about the Jehovah's Witness, more than you would ever want to know. But the truth is, I love to study them, So I, and I find quotes from some of the, the different religious leaders, and it's always telling, because it's in black and white. What they say is in black and white and written down. One of the quotes I read of Buddha, of Buddha, this is what Buddha said. This is the last words of Buddha. This is what is quoted as last words of Buddha. Never forget it. Decay is inherent in all things. That's true. Is Buddha telling the truth? Yeah, everybody dies. Everybody rots away. Except for one guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Buddha. You're just like me. And you're going to go in that grave, and the worms are going to get you, Buddha, because you're just like me. Muhammad was no better than me. He's going to go in the grave, he went in the grave, and the worms got him. And I'm going to go in the grave, and the worms are going to get me, unless Jesus Christ comes back. The only one that's different is Jesus Christ, because he went into the grave, and before the worms could get him, he came out. He came out. And I'm not talking about a spiritual resurrection. I'm talking about a physical, bodily resurrection. When you went to that tomb, they didn't see the body of Christ and then His Spirit showed up like a ghost. No, they went to the tomb and it was empty. And they said, there's His clothes wrapped up and folded. And the angels were there. He is risen. He is risen. Man, that's the good news that Christianity tells you. Christianity tells you, He is risen. And since He has life, you can have life too. Eternal life. Because without Jesus Christ, he's eternal damnation. He's eternal death. There's no other, way, no other way to put it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at another one of these. 1 Corinthians 15. So the first one is the resurrection saves you. The second one is the resurrection proves Jesus is the Son of God and he's telling you the truth. <laughs> That resurrection tells you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you can trust what He's saying and He's telling you the truth. So let's look at the third one. That's found in 1 Corinthians 15. Look down at um, verse 14. Let's start at verse 14. We're going to dwell here a little while. This is good. Paul tells us all we need to know about the resurrection right in here. Verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Paul says what I believe. If Jesus Christ wasn't a risen Savior, I would shut this thing down and turn it into a honky-tonk or something. I wouldn't be wasting my time. If Jesus Christ didn't come out of the grave on the third day, I wouldn't drive down here to have church. I'd be just like everybody else, sitting at home. Like, who cares about church? Why would I care about church? It's just another religious faker, just another religious guy trying to, trying to swindle the people, trying to think he wants to be, have followers. What separates out Christ is that he came up from the grave. And if he didn't, then you're wasting your time, brothers and sisters. You're wasting your time. So what that tells you is, what Paul is saying is, outside of Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time trying to worship God. Look at verse 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Paul basically says, "Well, I'm a liar because I told you I've seen him alive, and these other brothers have seen him alive. So if we're telling you that he didn't rise up, then you're telling us that we're liars. Verse 17 or verse 16, excuse me, "For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sin." The third thing that uh, the resurrection does for a Christian is it it allows God to take away your sins. God uses the resurrection to take away your sins. No resurrection, no sins forgiven. See... and this is kind of deep doctrinal stuff, but when Jesus Christ is on the cross, he's taken the sins of the world. Most people realize that. But when Jesus Christ Christ did what those sins were, when he died, his body went in the grave. It's your soul that's going to pay for your sins. And for three days, Jesus Christ's body sat in a tomb while his soul went down into the depths of Sheol, hell. And what we know Jesus Christ did is Jesus Christ descended to the lower parts of the earth because he said, just like Noah, just, I mean, just like Jonah was three days and three hearts in, in the heart of the belly, so shall the man of, son, of man be, son of God be in the heart, in the heart of the earth. He went Amen. down deep. And what he did is, what's he doing down there, Brother Keegan? What he's doing is he's carrying all my sins, all your sins, all the world's sins that will receive him as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He takes all those sins and he's casting them into hell. And he has the key, and he takes that key, and he locks it up. Those sins are done. And here he goes, third day, he rises again. No more sin. Took those sins. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ took them, took them down there, and he's come back up. And he comes back up and has eternal life. You know that's to be true. And if he didn't rise up, you're yet in your sins. If the bones of Buddha are found, it doesn't change Buddhism not one bit. If the bones of Muhammad are found, it doesn't change Islam, not one bit. But if they can find just the finger bone of Jesus Christ, it ruins your faith. Now, they haven't done it. (laughs) Now, let me tell you something. They've tried, and they've tried. And James Cameron, the idiot director, he's a moron. He said, I found the tomb of Jesus, and it got the bones. He's going to do DNA testing. Now, I, don't, I want you all to think about that for a little while. This is supposed to be a very intelligent man. He's going to do DNA testing on these bones and see if they're Jesus. Well, how are you going to cross-reference that ding-ling, you know? That's, but that's how desperate they are. Amen. They'll lose all kinds of common sense, all kinds of reason, just to disprove Jesus Christ. He can't have risen. He can't have risen. He's got to be somewhere in a grave somewhere, and Christianity for 2,000 years has done nothing but say, He's risen. He's risen. He's no longer there. Go look in the tomb. It's empty. You won't find him. He's living in my heart through the Holy Spirit. And he's up in heaven with the Father. And guess what's going to happen? He's going to come back physically and come back and rule this rule and reign on this earth physically. And he's coming. And all this stuff you see going on in the world, that's just God trying to shake people up. Get ready. You better get ready. You better get ready. And people are like, I don't know if I really need to go to church. I don't need to be in church. Uh, You know, when when I was being raised, my parents made me go to church. And now that I'm grown, I don't have to go to church. Ooh. Your mom and dad made you brush your teeth, and you don't brush your teeth anymore? Your mom and dad made you take a shower, and you don't take a shower anymore? Your mom and dad made you do what's right. Why don't you keep doing what's right? Stop using excuses. You don't love God and you expect God to help you out when times get rough? God brings this stuff on there. You know what what God's doing? God brings this stuff that we're dealing with today to find out who loves Him and who doesn't. He's separating out the goats from the sheep. There's a lot of goats in the church. There's a lot of people in the church that are pretenders. And God says, I'm going to find out who's the pretenders and who are the contenders. And this is the way I'm going to do it. Now, come on. So people are gonna find out. If you have to be arrested to go to church, let's see if they'll be arrested to go to church. How much do they really love me? Yes. How much do you really love my son? How much do you really desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you willing to give up some, some of your comforts? Are you willing to give up some of your liberties? And the world comes and they take all the liberty a Christian has and they laugh behind our backs and they giggle behind our backs and the devil's living it up right now. And God's sitting back saying, I'm just looking. I'm going to see who's really, honestly, truly in love with my son, Jesus Christ. One of the greatest rebukes you'll find in the Bible by Jesus Christ is when he said, you've left your first love. That's the worst thing a wife or a husband can tell their spouse. You don't, I don't feel like you love me. Somebody's not doing something right when those words come out of somebody's mouth. Somebody's not doing something right. When Jesus Christ tells you, I don't feel like you love me, you're not doing something right. Amen. You're not doing something right. And you know when he told that? He said that at the end of the Revelation churches, to the church today, the Laodicean church, that's our period. And, and, and to have people go on the internet and have people go on TV, this doesn't have anything to do with God. This virus has nothing to do with God. Well, then who does it have to do with? It's not Mother Nature. There's no such thing as Mother Nature. It's Father God, not Mother Nature. Man, wake up. Smell the roses. Wake just, you know, Stop letting the media, stop letting somebody else think for you. Start, let that brain click in. I know it hadn't been used in a while. Turn off the TV, turn off the internet, and just meditate. Open God's words and see what he has to say. You know what you can find out in this Bible? It's running ahead of what's in the newspaper today. That's what I love about it. Look at verse 18. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. They're never going to come up. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That's Christianity to today. They don't understand what they have in Christ. They have, what, let me tell you, what you have in Christ is you have eternal life in a heavenly home with Christ, no sin. Christ is not for this earth now. Christ is for the life to come. Amen. But you have preachers stand up and say, oh, if you love Christ, then he'll bless you and prosper you and you'll have a new car and you'll have a new house. And Jesus Christ didn't teach none of that mess. Not a bit of it is that taught in this word. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ warned over and over again about riches. About riches. Amen. Why Christians are miserable is because they think that Jesus Christ is for this life right here, living it right here. Jesus Christ is a burden in this life. He's, he's a cross. He said, Pick up your cross and follow me, deny yourself. That's what Christ said. It's not easy being a Christian. I don't know who told you that, but they're lying. It's easy, the easiest thing to do is the wrong thing. Sit there and have to repent every day. Do you repent every day? Do you pray, Jesus? I hope you do, because I know if you're like me, I have sins every day I have to repent of. It's not easy being a Christian. Amen. But I'm living for the Lord because I'm so, not for works, not to get into heaven, because I'm grateful that he's got me a place waiting. Amen. That's why I do what I do. Not because I'm good. Not because I think I'm holier than anybody else. Because I appreciate Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. This is the truth. And become the first fruits of them that slept. He's come up. For since by man came death. That's Adam. Adam. Man brought death into the world. That's Adam. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. That's the last Adam. Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Now I want, to slow, I want to stop here and we're going to move on. For as in Adam all die. There's not anybody who will disagree with that statement right there. 100% of people die. 100% of them. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. God puts us in Christ so that when he raises we raise. So a Christian, when they receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes in and you're born again. You become a new creature in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes you and immerses you into the body of Christ. He baptizes you into that body. So what happens is He takes you, takes you your, your soul and spirit, and He takes you and puts you into the body of Christ. So now you're in Christ, and Christ is in you. So wherever Christ is, that's where you're on. Did Jesus Christ go in the grave? You went in the grave. Jesus Christ hang on the cross? You hung on the cross. Jesus Christ come up from that grave? You came up from that grave. Does <laughs> Jesus Christ going to live forevermore? Yeah. You're going to live forevermore. You're in Christ. You're not relying on yourself. You're relying on Jesus Christ, and you're putting your faith in that resurrection because you confessed with the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that, Christ, that God had raised him from the dead? You're putting your faith in that resurrection so God says, you put, I'm a, you put your faith in Jesus, I'll put you in him, and whatever I'm doing for him, I'm going to do for you because you're in him. Praise the Lord. It's just like this piece of paper. I take this piece of paper, I put it in this Bible. Wherever this Bible goes, that piece of paper goes. Amen. You don't see that piece of paper anymore, do you? It's in the Bible, but it's in there. Amen. That's the way it is in Jesus Christ. Wherever he goes, you go. Now we need to understand this a little deeper. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's get a little deeper into this because this is very important doctrinally what's going on with the resurrection. I want want you to understand it. And if you hadn't, if you hadn't uh, if you don't understand it, I want you to be able to understand it. So the question is are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? How do you get in Christ, brother? You get in Christ by receiving Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's how you get in Christ. That's the only way you get in Christ. You don't do it by works. You're saved by grace, not of works. You can't work your way into Christ. You only can ask Him and He lets you in. The works you do is for Jesus from the cross because you, you love Him so much you want to do something for Him. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. This verse is used by different, different people, but they don't understand what this verse means. This verse is about the resurrection. What the, res- the, third, the fourth thing the resurrection does for a Christian, the resurrection is your Noah's Ark. Okay? The resurrection is your Noah's Ark. Just like the Bible says, Jesus Christ is your Passover lamb. What was the Passover lamb? They put the blood on the doorpost. You got in the door. It didn't matter if you were a, uh, a harlot. It didn't matter if you were a murderer. It didn't matter what kind of sin you had. You got behind that door, and the death angel passed over you because he's seen the blood. The price is already paid. That's a token to, between you and God, and the death angel passes past that door because of the blood of the lamb. Amen. The Bible says Jesus Christ is your Passover. Amen. He's your Passover lamb, okay? You get in the door just like you get in Jesus Christ. The ark's the same way. The resurrection is your ark. Look at verse 20. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah. There's Noah. While the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So the context of these verses is that he's talking about the flood. He's talking about Noah. But notice at the end there he says they're saved by water. Now, were they saved, what we, when we say the word by, we think they're saved by the water. Like, the water saved them. Did the water save them? No, the water wanted to destroy them, right? The water was there to, to drown them. So what that word by means there in your Bible, it means through. The word by can mean through, or it can be used in different ways. That means through. They were saved through the water. Amen. The, they, the water's going to destroy them, and they were saved through that destruction, through the water, by what? By the ark that God had told him how to prepare. That Noah and his eight sons, and Noah and his, the, other, the other kids, they had to get in that ark to get saved. You had to get in the ark. It wasn't enough to come up and look at the ark. It wasn't enough to admire how great the ark was. It wasn't enough to say, that's a pretty nice ark. One day I'm going to build my own ark. It wasn't enough to try to build your own ark. God had prepared the ark through Noah, and God brought him up and said, anybody wants to go, they just got to get in that ark. You want to be saved from that death angel? You had to get behind the blood. Amen. You got to, but you got to go through the door. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. Right. Mm-hmm. He's that blood. He's that door. He's your ark. Amen. And that resurrection is your ark. Look, 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 look. Verse 21. Like the like figure. Verse 21. The like figure Whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now, some people run with that and they say, see, you've you got to be baptized to get saved. You've got to get in the water to get saved. But they, keep reading, keep reading. <laughs> not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Okay, right there it tells you what's going on. There's something going on there that people are misinterpreting. Not, but I, you can put people in water all day long. That doesn't mean they're saved. Amen. The city of Hamilton's water district, their, their water, if it touches your flesh, is not going to save you. There's lots and lots of people that have been sprinkled when they were a baby that have been baptized that are not going to go to heaven. Amen. Well, what's the difference, Brother Keegan? They're not born again. They haven't had that spiritual birth. You've got to be born again. Amen. You've got to have spiritual birth. What he's talking about here is a resurrection. The like figuring into even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, in, putting those two verses together, verses 20 and 21, what he's saying there is just like Noah was saved because he got in the ark and he was saved through the water, if you'll get in Jesus Christ, you're immersed into Jesus Christ, once you're in Jesus Christ, you're saved by that resurrection. Amen. How do you get in Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit's got to baptize you in there. You can't physically get in the body of Christ. It's a spiritual birth. It's from above. You've got to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Once you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the the, the spiritual operation takes place. You're born again. You become a new creature in Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that He takes you and He immerses you through the Spirit into the body of Christ. Then you're in Christ. There's nothing a pastor can do. There's not enough water in Texas for me to baptize you in you to get saved. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to Put your faith in 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 the the payment of his sin on the cross. And you need to believe in the resurrection. You need to believe he died for your sins. He was buried on the third day. He rose again. You need to believe these things. And you need to pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you. Ask him. He's a gentleman. He doesn't barge into your door of your heart. The Bible says he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. He doesn't bang. He knocks. He's a gentleman. That's my Savior. So you say, well, then why don't we get baptized? Turn to Romans. Romans chapter 6. I'll show you. Romans chapter 6. You've got to understand this stuff. Romans chapter 6. You keep, if you still got your hand in Peter, we'll be coming back to Peter for, in closing. But in, turn to Romans chapter 6. This stuff's important. This stuff's really important. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Why do not we get baptized? I believe people should. If you if you if you're a born again Christian, you need to get baptized. Yeah. Baptism does not save you. Baptism has nothing to do with salvation, but it's a it's an answer of good conscience. What Peter just said. It's something that the Lord wants you to do. But why does the Lord want you to do it? Well, let's look at these verses, and it'll explain why the Lord wants you to do it. Look at Romans chapter six verse four. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been planted together. What do you do when you plant something? You plant something because you want it to come up. You plant it together. You want it to come up. In the likeness. In the likeness. Notice those likenesses. In the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. What you're doing when you stand in in that water, and I believe baptism is immersion, what the water that's what the word means when you stand in that water to get baptized what the, the pastor will say you, uh, usually the pastor will say do you believe in Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior you take Jesus Christ your Lord and say I do he goes well by your professional faith I baptize thee my brother in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and then we lay him down the water covers you up and you come back up what is that showing you that's showing all your loved ones that come to see you baptized here's the old kicking I'm standing in the water the pastor puts me down my body goes under the water I'm dead to the old king and my body comes up a new creature in Jesus Christ just like our Lord Savior went into the tomb he came back up the third day I'm showing you the death and the burial and resurrection of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who I put my trust in by getting in that water and getting baptized in front of everybody it's showing you that I think the way is Jesus Christ and it shows you Physically, so you can see with your your little fleshly eyes what's happened to me spiritually in the spiritual realm. You can't see that I was born again. But when I go down and come up, you can say, well, now I can kind of get an idea of what's going on in this guy's life spiritually. The old Kiggins dead. He's a new Kiggins in Jesus Christ. Because I put my faith in the resurrection. I put my faith in the man Jesus Christ that told me he had eternal life and he went down in the grave and he showed me that he has eternal life. Amen. Look back at 1 Peter 1 in closing. 1 Peter chapter 1 in closing. So I wanted to make sure y'all understood that, what was going on there. But let's let's close out in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to close out here, guys. Oh, this is great. We found out that the resurrection saves you It proves Jesus is telling the truth. And thirdly, what God uses to take away your sins is the resurrection. And fourth, we looked at that the resurrection is your Noah's Ark. Now the fifth thing we're going to look at is the simplest thing, but it's the most beautiful thing. It's found there in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. How's that lively hope? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. What the resurrection does for every born-again believer in Jesus Christ is it gives us that living hope. That living hope that's in every one of us. It's in the sister, though, that gets the bad news from the doctor. She's still got that living hope. You can't take that away. It's in Sister Colleen. She gets the bad news you can't take that smile away. She's got that living hope. It's a living hope. It's not a hope that, well, maybe it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's a living hope because we have a Savior that's living. It, it's an eternal hope because we have a Savior that's eternal. It's a lovely hope because we have a Savior that's lovely. Do you see why Christians are the way they are? We're, we're, the reason Christians are the way they are, we are about our faith is because we've got a great Savior. Look at verse 4. This is what we got as a living hope. To an inheritance incorruptible, nothing's going to destroy it. <laughs> the government can't come in and take it. See, y'all, a, lot of y'all, a lot of y'all in here own some, a lot of land. Y'all don't own that land, the government owns that land. You say, oh, yeah, I own that land. I got the deed right here. Well, just don't pay your taxes. Don't pay your taxes. Let's see how long you own that land, okay? Uh, don't, you know, don't pay your car tax. See how long you own that car. The government, this world, through the, run through the devil, owns everything. And they can get it. And they're going to get it in the end anyway. Amen. But not this inheritance. Amen. This inheritance is an inheritance incorruptible, verse 4. And undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. Every born-again believer in Jesus Christ has a res- reservation in heaven. The fanciest restaurant you can think of. The fanciest restaurant you can think of. You go up to the front and there'll be a long line of people trying to get to heaven. They'll say, hey, come on up here. You got reservations. Come on up here. You got reservations. And you'll walk by and everybody will be looking at you, looking down at you, scoffing at you, and you'll just walk by and say, I got reservations in here because of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ It's reserved for you because you're special to God. You're part of His family now. You're born again. Now you become a son or a daughter to a king. You're special. You've got a brother that died and rose again. He's got eternal life. He's the son of God. Man, we got a special family. And man, they made a reservation for you and you're going to make that reservation. You say, ah, oh, brother, I don't know how to keep the reservation. How do I get there? When do I get there? What time does it matter?" Right? The very next verse tells you. Verse 5. Who are kept... By the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. How's this reservation kept? Who are kept by the power of God? It's not my. I don't keep this reservation, and it ain't my power to keep it. I can't keep this reservation. But I know a man who can. No. The Lord God. The Lord God keeps this reservation for me. The power is the power of God keeps this. Who are how are you keeping this reservation? How are you keeping this in, in, inheritance incorruptible? How are you keeping this place in heaven? Who are kept? How are you kept? By your own works? No. By your own power? No. Who are kept by the power of God through faith? It's my simple childlike faith in Jesus Christ. That just simple childlike faith that I believe He's listened to me when I pray to him. I believe He's gonna keep me and save He saved me. It's that simple childlike faith that God says that's the power that I'm gonna to use to keep you and to keep you for that reservation. Yes. What's so important about the about the resurrection? Well, it's everything to a Christian. So when uh, you have any kind of government entity tell you you can't get together on a resurrection Sunday, to the devil with that government entity. Amen. To the devil with that government entity. I shall obey God rather than man. My Savior is alive. My Savior is resurrected. And you can try to keep us down. You can try to kill us to shut up. But you know what Jesus Christ said about that? He said, if you were to tell these people to shut up, the stones themselves would cry out. Amen. He is risen, He is risen, He is risen. You can't shut us up. And if you did kill every one of us, nature itself would start clapping and singing, Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm going to say this simple thing in closing. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. But Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord God. Father, thank you for the resurrection, Lord. Thank you for your eternal living power that you, you showed forth when you came out of that grave, Lord God. Father, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you did all these things, Lord, but you, with all this power, you still have love for us. You have love for me, Lord God, when I was a sinner, a wretched sinner, Lord. You had love for me, Lord, when I was an enemy of yours, and you still love me. And you still sent your Holy Spirit my way, Lord. You still sent a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, a loved one by to tell me that you died for me, Lord. Father, I just want to thank you for the the preachers, for the Sunday school teachers, for those out there that are witnessing for you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray a special blessing on them. Father, we don't deserve to live in this country, Lord God, where we have all our liberty. Lord, we don't deserve it, Father, but we do thank you for it, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, a special blessing on our leaders of this country, Lord God, of our communities, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would speak to the heart, the truth, Lord God, that that we have liberty, Lord God, and to let us go and leave leave us alone, Lord, that we might worship you. Because we have no desire but to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, I just pray if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice, Father, that's being convicted, that you would come in, Lord God. Speak to the heart, the truth, Lord God, that they need Jesus Christ or they're doomed and damned to a devil's hell. He that believeth in the Son hath life; but he that believeth not hath not life. Lord, we thank you for the life we have in your resurrection. We thank you for coming up, Lord God. And Father, I pray a special blessing to everybody here, Lord God, that just loves you and just trying to do what they think is right by you. Father, I love you so much. Thank you for saving me and coming up out of that grave. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at indiangapbaptist.com. And God bless you, and, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.